Welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Welcome and hello. Thank you so much for giving me your ear. You are now with me, host, attorney Paul Samico, for my show, The Legal Merry-Go-Round. Now, I want all of you to raise your hand. I'm watching. Yes, you back there in the corner. I see you. I want you to raise your hand and promise, always, avoid the downs and savor the ups. That's right, with everything in the law and in your own everyday life, having nothing to do with the law. Avoid the downs and savor the ups. Today is Wednesday, and I've titled my Wednesday shows Wrongdoer Wednesdays. These have to do things that are criminal and cases that we're going to talk about in an effort to show you how to be on the straight and narrow. And you know that on Mondays, I have my shows, Marital Mondays, talking about things in the world of domestic relations, family law, things like child support and custody and all those sorts of things. And then on Fridays, every Friday, I talk about injury cases. And I've called my Friday shows Fender Bender Fridays. We get into accidents, unfortunately, and we get hurt. Ouch. So before I hit today, we're going to talk about something that involves juveniles and how they are treated in the law when they uh, break the law. Before I get to that, I want to remind all of you that on my website, The Legal Merry-Go-Round, you can do three very important things. Number one, you can get lots of free reports. Number two, you can request a referral to an attorney anywhere in the United States and the referral is absolutely free, just like the reports that you might get. Now, further, the attorney referral being free, I can make sure that you get an attorney that you can trust with whatever your legal concern might be. And finally, on my website, you can subscribe to this show, which would be very much appreciated. This is a relatively new show for me, and, well, your support means everything. So let's hit it. Today, I want to talk about juvenile offenders, and I'm going to talk about three cases and tell you uh, what happened a little bit, the setup, if you will, and then we're going to take a break and come back after the break and give you some more information as to what happened to these three young individuals. Generally speaking, in most states, a juvenile offender must be at least 16 to be eligible to be tried as an adult. And I think all of you understand the difference. If you're a little kid, they're going to put you in juvie, in little kids' court, in juvenile court. And the consequences, if you're found to be responsible, typically in juvenile courts, they don't find guilt or not guilty. They just find responsibility. So responsibility for what would otherwise be a criminal act as an adult lands the juvenile in perhaps juvenile detention facility or child protective services or something like that. Uh, so again, in the in most states, 16 is that age where uh, a prosecution uh, or the state representing the people uh, might make application to have the child 
uh, and that case heard in an adult court where the consequences could be jail. In a number of states, however, minors as young as 13 can be subjected to the potential of going to adult court. And a few states allow children of any age to be tried as adults for certain types of crimes, such as homicide. Now, the current trend among states is to lower the minimum age of eligibility uh, to be put into the adult court. And I'm going to guess that's in part because of a perception across the country that juvenile crime is on the rise and offenders are getting younger. Courts uh, might consider pushing the kid into an adult court uh, in certain instances, and factors have been seen across the country to include what the youngster is charged with, and if it's a particularly serious offense, if the juvenile has a lengthy uh, juvenile record, um, if past rehabilitation efforts for the juvenile have been unsuccessful, uh, or if youth services uh, would have to work with the juvenile offender for a long time. Statistically speaking, 44 states, the maximum age for the juvenile court is 17. This year in 2020, Vermont became the first state in the nation to expand juvenile court jurisdiction to 18. Five states, Georgia, Michigan, Missouri, Texas, and Wisconsin now draw the line at 16. So usually a juvenile is tried as an adult in an adult court system because of the severity of the crime. This might include murder, robbery, uh, with a weapon, and rape. The juvenile case will transfer to a juvenile court, to the adult court in those types of situations. So I want to go to some cases and give you some real background. And so if you're a, a listener of my show in the past, you're going to know that sometimes this goes around 25, 30, maybe as much as 35 minutes. So I haven't timed this one yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this might go a little longer, but I'm hoping that you're going to stick around and listen to all of it because this is some pretty interesting stuff. And I think uh, as a nation, we need to pay attention to what our juveniles are doing, what our children are doing. And here are some stories what I think are instructive. One criminal, uh, one criminal, listen to me, that's where my head is. One Christmas in an affluent neighborhood, a 16-year-old young man named Sean attacked his sleeping father, stabbing him repeatedly in the arms, head, and knife, uh, knife wounds all over the neck. Uh, to this day, we still have not heard from Sean uh, why, but there was tension in the family over Sean's marijuana use, his expulsion from school, and his family said that his relationship with his father, uh, although not a violent one, was not the greatest. Sean himself claimed to have no memory of the stabbing after this took place. His mom described waking up uh, to her husband screaming. The father himself said that he uh, remembers being unable to identify his attacker at first and then realized it was his son, and he eventually tackled Sean to the ground. Police and medical help get there, and uh, both are taken to the hospital. Sean didn't realize what had happened, he said, until a cop told him, um, you're going to get charged with attempted murder, and if he dies, you're going to get charged with first-degree murder. So Sean said, if who dies? And the cop says, your father. Uh, Sean said, oh, then he understood what had happened. Sean was charged with attempted murder. 
prosecutors filed fitness papers to try Sean in adult criminal court rather than in the juvenile system. So if convicted in adult court of attempted murder, he could have faced a mandatory sentence of 15 years to life. So a little background, that kind of stuff is always, you know, important to understand in these types of cases. Before this incident, there were signs that Sean was troubled. He'd been arrested and charged with strong arm robbery when he and a friend stole money from a smaller boy. Sean says his drinking had escalated into serious marijuana use and he was asked to leave two schools. He had been in the juvenile court system previously um, to determine uh, sentences there, and it was clear that now there were serious problems in the household which contributed to his drug use and trouble behavior. His mom had a drinking problem. His father was often away on business trips, leaving Sean and his mom alone. So in order to understand Sean's behavior, the court ordered a psychological evaluation. The report apparently found no significant psychiatric disturbances, but instead it proposed that the attack, stabbing his father over and over, stemmed from an altered state of consciousness coming from a disturbance of sleep. Well, okay, we're going to come back to Sean, and I'm going to tell you what happened. There's another young man named uh, named Manny, 17 years old, uh, with two other gang members attacked a family in his neighborhood. One of the victims was six months pregnant. Prosecutors said that she was hit repeatedly in the stomach with a baseball bat. Four men were arrested, two of them stabbed. Manny was arrested and brought to court on four counts of attempted murder. So the background again on Manny here, he comes from a rough neighborhood and he's a member of a gang. Uh, clearly, uh, information that was, dis- uh, that was discerned, uh, he had a difficult childhood. He grew up without his father and he started running around the streets and fighting in fourth grade. He adopted the what we might call the ethos of the streets, uh, according to what he had said. Uh, he believed that violence was necessary to achieve respect. Uh, he was quoted in court documents, if someone hits you, you got to defend yourself. But just sitting there and turning the other cheek, you don't stick up for yourself, you just get rolled on, and you have no self-pride for yourself. So for Manny, this was actually the second violent felony that he was involved in. Uh, This was at age 17. Three years before, at age 14, he pled guilty to rape uh, in juvenile court. So given this history, the prosecutor, the district attorney there, believed that he had all the, the hallmarks of a kid who belonged in the adult system, and he asked the court to try him as an adult. In criminal court, Manny could have received more than 20 years in prison if convicted as charged. Now, this was a case in California, and this happened before 2016. And that's an interesting date for the California law of this this concept, because in November of 2016, California passed what was called Proposition 57, and that became law. Okay, you're asking? Yes, I see those inquisitive looks on your faces. Proposition 57 mandated that all allegations of criminal conduct against a minor, individuals who are under the age of 18, must be initiated in juvenile court. So 
a, a, a child, a delinquent minor, could no longer have charges uh, filed directly against him in an adult court. They all had to start in the juvenile court. All the cases, regardless of the severity of the crime, had to start in juvenile court. If a minor that was 14 years old or more committed uh, certain types of crimes, such as murder or certain sex offenses, the prosecutor can then file a motion to transfer the court from the juvenile court to, you know, to the adult court to evaluate factors such as the minor's maturity level, uh, degree of criminal sophistication, prior delinquence uh, acts, uh, prior delinquent history, and whether the minor is capable of rehabilitation. So based on all those factors, if the juvenile court concluded that the minor should be tried as an adult, the case could then be transferred. And all the proceedings for that point would go on as if the minor was an adult. I'm going to tell you what happened to Manny when we come back from the break. The third case here today that I want to share is about a 15-year-old young man by the name of Jose. And unfortunately, in all of these cases, well, not in all of them, but in too many of these cases, the child uh, is has got a, a bad situation in the household. There, there, there's. It's a shame. It really is. I mean, but we see that obviously way too often. So here again, 15-year-old Jose, his childhood was was confirmed as being difficult. Dad was a heroin addict, disappeared shortly after Jose was born, and his mom had problems of her own and eventually disappeared as well. So Jose eventually got involved with a local gang. He became a serious addict, and he was hooked on both drugs and alcohol. This particular case came as a result of him participating in a deadly brawl. He and four other teenagers, two of them uh, recent immigrants from Mexico, had been hanging out in an alley drinking. The teenagers started roughhousing, and it escalated into a serious fight with the immigrants becoming targets of the others. One of them had their skull crushed after being beaten repeatedly. The other escaped by getting over a fence, but he broke his ankle in the process. Jose and his friends fled the scene as neighbors awoke to the commotion. So Jose, as you can imagine, was eventually arrested and charged with murder. Prosecutors asked for a fitness hearing to determine if he could be tried in adult court because of the seriousness of the crime. One of the prosecutors explained to the court that he had been in the system since he was 12 years old and he committed a crime of such violence, of such callousness, that it really begged under the circumstances uh, for fitness to be uh, tried in the adult court. When we come back, I'm going to share what happened to 15-year-old Jose. Don't go too far. I have my eye on you. We'll see you shortly. Not going to go to the break quite yet. I just wanted to share this one with you so that you're forewarned. Do you use uh, those GPS things or you ever use uh, Waze or all those different things? Well, one lady uh, chose to follow Google Maps walking directions and it took her across a highway. She was, according to Google Maps uh, instructions, she was supposed to walk across the highway. 
So this goofball does. And what do you think happens? She gets hit by a car. So she sues the driver and she sues Google, uh, claiming that Google was negligent in instructing her to walk across the map, uh, walk across the highway. So I wonder if Google took her to the 10th floor of a building and said jump if she would do that too. Oh, what an idiot. Anyway, as you can imagine, she lost. She even lost on the claim against the driver because she wasn't in a crosswalk. Ah, yoy, 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 yoy. See you after the break. Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then, either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up, and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to thelegalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show. So we're back, and thank you very much for your continuing ear here. The break wasn't long enough for you to continue, uh, complete your eating of the Milky Way bar that's now in your hand. So while you continue eating that, just please keep the noise down. You know, the others around you want to listen. All right. All right. So I want to talk to you about what happened with these three young men who were uh, the subject of the first half of my show and their cases of what happened to them. You remember I talked about Sean. That was a young man who attacked his father with the knife. After much discussion uh, with his parents, Sean decided to plead guilty to the charges and receive his punishment from the juvenile system rather than risk the substantial prison sentence. Now, this was unusual in this case in this state because not every state allows a a decision by the the accused or their parents. Sometimes you're just sent right to the uh, the adult court and they don't have a choice. But here, Sean did. And by staying in the juvenile system, he avoided an adult criminal record and he'd get a shorter sentence since the juvenile system could only hold him until he was 25 years old. The judge in this case handed down a sentence, however, that surprised a lot of people in the court. After the incident with his cellmate, it seemed like Sean would receive at least some time in the youth authority. The judge ruled that Sean would remain in the county's juvenile hall until he turned 19. 
In addition, Sean would be allowed to leave the facility during the day to attend community college classes, private counseling sessions, and Narcotics Anonymous meetings. Eventually, he was even allowed to go home for meals with his family. The prosecutor in the case was commenting that he was very surprised and troubled by the outcome. He said that at the end, he thought everyone in the courtroom was ready to fall out of their chairs. And he said that he thought it was a tremendous injustice that was done. Not just the fact that we didn't treat this individual the way he should have been treated, in his opinion, but that we have treated the perception, we've created the perception, excuse me, uh, in the community that certain people are going to be treated differently in the system because of where they came from. So here's the end of the story. Once Sean got out, he got in trouble again. He was smoking pot. And when he thought his probation officer knew of that and had proof, he took off. When he was arrested four hours away in another town, he was high and belligerent, and officers had to use force to restrain him. I'm not an advocate that either the juvenile system or the adult system of criminal justice in our country cures people. I don't believe that that's always the case. I don't suggest I have all the answers. But I do know in this situation uh, that Sean was convicted of, he pled guilty, he wasn't convicted, of a violent crime of stabbing his father, you know, potentially could have killed him, and they put him in juvie. I don't know. Uh, The prosecutor said he was shocked. He thought everybody in the courtroom was going to fall out of their chair. I'm kind of agreeing with that. Let's go to the next one. Manny, you remember Manny, four counts of attempted murder, attacked a family in a neighborhood, including a six-month-old, six-month pregnant woman. Not six months old. Well, the fetus was six months old. Pregnant woman. So I talked about the proposition in California pre-2016. The law had five criteria. Uh, in the juvenile court uh, uh, determination, the juvenile court, adult court determination. So a juvenile court in those cases had to consider when determining whether to allow a child up to the adult system. Now, I share this because it's not unlike many states in our country that have similar criteria. They're not all going to be the same, but these are pretty, pretty common considerations as to whether the child offender goes to juvie or adult court. Number one, the level of the offender's criminal sophistication. Number two, whether the offender can be rehabilitated within the time the juvenile court would have to work with that minor. Number three, previous delinquent history. Number four, the success of prior attempts at rehabilitation And finally, number five, the seriousness, of course, and the gravity of the crime. So back to Manny. In this case, a probation officer working independently of the prosecution and defense prepared a report for the court to consider these five criteria. The probation officer found Manny to be fit for the juvenile system on the first four counts. He believed that the system could have done a better job of rehabilitating Manny after the rape incident. Uh, that occurred four years or three years before this one. 
So Manny only served 56 days at the juvenile ranch because of good behavior and did not receive any sexual offender counseling while serving his rape sentence or when he returned home. Given this, the probation officer found Manny fit under the circumstances of the criteria of previous previous attempts to rehabilitate him. Well, the court disagreed. Despite the evidence that Manny had not been uh, the one to hit the pregnant woman, the judge found him unfit on the final criterion, the seriousness of the crime. Uh, The judge ruled that there is no evidence of any circumstances that would tend to mitigate or reduce the gravity of the offense. It was clearly a vicious attack. So under California law at that time, because Manny was 17, he was sent to an adult court and he was found unfit by the judge just because of the last one, the seriousness of the five criteria. His one reprieve, if you will, uh, was that while uh, all this was going on, he was allowed to stay in the juvenile hall pending the outcome of his adult trial. Manny pled guilty to seven counts of assault with a deadly weapon. He was sentenced to nine years in state prison. In prison, he was interviewed. The interview was in a local paper. He said that he was not hopeful about his chances of remaining out of prison for the rest of his life, even after he got out. He says, I'm only 18 now. I plan to live until I'm 50. I'm not perfect. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to make it, you know. I don't think I'm going to stay out of out of jail for good. That's sad. That really is. What a wasted life. I certainly hope that Manny is in a position where someone can step up and help this young man before he gets out of prison and that he does have a product, protect, uh, productive life afterwards. Finally, uh, I want to talk about, again, the 15-year-old Jose, the deadly brawl against Mexican immigrants with a couple of his buddies. Upon investigation, more facts began to emerge about Jose's case. After fleeing the scene of the assault and the fight, Jose and his friend had found the second victim, the one who broke his ankle going over the fence, struggling to walk, and they helped him get home and clean up. It was also discovered that while Jose had participated in the beating, he appeared to have played a lesser role. The court determined that these factors, combined with his use and severe intoxication on the night of the incident, um, prosecutors actually offered Jose a deal. The prosecutor said, we looked at what the level of participation in the assault was, how criminal he was, how culpable he was, and in his case, we saw that his involvement wasn't that high. So he was offered a deal. He was to move to adult court and plead guilty, but to a lesser charge of involuntary manslaughter. After his plea, he was sent for a psychological evaluation. He received a favorable evaluation in which the psychologist found that he was not likely to be a threat to public safety as long as he was sober. The judge also participated in giving Jose a big break sentencing him only to 208 days in juvenile hall from adult court. While he was there, Jose worked hard at school, graduating shortly before his release. He became a favorite of the staff, as it was reported. A teacher actually explained he did a lot of his on his own. 
The raw material was there. He didn't have to start from ground zero. He had a great personality and intelligence and openness, and I think the staff around here filled in the gaps for him and helped him to succeed, hopefully, forever. Jose was released from Juvenile Hall at 17, and he now carries an adult record, because again, it was an adult court, but as conditions of his probation, uh, he had to cut all ties with his gang life, submit to drug tests, and either find a job or go to school full-time. After five months of rejections, however, looking for a job, and with the assistance of a nurse even from the juvenile hall, uh, he obtained a job with a local parks department. He enrolled in a community college after the staff from juvenile hall helped him get books and a bicycle to get to class. It was a nice result for this young man. Um, mistakes happen, uh, you know, certainly. Uh, he was on the path in the wrong direction. He got going in the right direction. People cared. I think that's really what's important, caring and people who will step up and go beyond. Do you have a child? Please do what you can to keep him or her on the straight and narrow. The prospect of detention anywhere is upsetting, but clearly more so if it's going to be a prison instead of some juvenile facility. I wish you and your family well and hope that you never have encounters with criminal law, police, prosecutors, district attorneys, court judges that are uh, potentially going to take your child away from you. I want you to always remember, avoid the downs and savor the ups. This is attorney Paul Samico, the legal merry-go-round. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I hope you continue to listen. Best to you. Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.